Welcome to the Reimagined Church Podcast with Pastor Robert Tanner. You can listen weekly on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you prefer to listen to podcasting. You can learn more about Reimagined Church by visiting us online at reimaginedpeople.com or by downloading our app for your Apple and Android devices. Now, let's join the service for this week's message. This is the last message in this series, Who Am I? Uh, how many of you, just by a show of hands, have been enjoying this series? All right, by the same hands, how many of you feel like you've heard some Lord speaking to you about some things about who you really are? Okay, yeah. Well, you know what? I might be the guy up here that's presenting the series, but let me tell you something. The Lord's been speaking to me a lot during this too. Okay, every time I turn around, I begin to realize I still deal with an orphan heart in myself. And it keeps, re- and sometimes it's over in the same thing. I'll, I'll, I'll have a thought and I'll realize, orphan heart, again, again, you know. I, I was watching the, the, uh, the, the uh, memorial service for Jack Hayford yesterday online. And, and, and as I'm listening to it, I'm like, I'm just so impressed of everything that the Lord did through his life and then all these other people that are speaking and everything. And at one point, I'm sitting here thinking, gosh, I just feel like, man, have I been ineffective? Orphan heart. I'm not called to be Jack Kayford. I'm called to be me. Called to be me. I'm not an orphan. I'm a son. And I'm affecting the people the Lord wants me to affect. And probably people, because we talked about, talked about social medias and stuff going around the world, I'm probably having an effect on people when I speak up here that I'll never meet on this side of heaven. So I have to remember, I'm still who I'm supposed to be. And you are too. So this is the last message in two weeks, we're going to start a new series called Chainbreaker. And we just sang a song with that, those words in it. And it's going to be about, and I've told you before, because I did this series before on another name. I still think it's probably the most powerful series I've ever done, probably will be the most powerful I ever do. Uh, because when we went through it last time, we saw a number of people in our church get set free from some things they had been dealing with for 20, 30 years. And simply coming to church, spending some time worshiping in the natural, activated some supernatural healing in their lives. And they got some freedom that they weren't expecting. So I'm going to encourage you, and we start that again in two more weeks. Come here, prepare to take notes. As a matter of fact, the other thing that's really neat about that, I'm getting back to commercial time here. One of the things that we're going to do is we're going to have two groups going on a Monday night and a Wednesday night, being led by Lucy Beretta and Valerie Sarcheski. And what they're gonna do is they're gonna have some questions from my notes, from my message on the previous Sunday. And they're gonna, it's, this is, so this is like a, a study that you're gonna be able to sign up for in the next week or two. And you'll come together in small groups and you're simply gonna have about four or five questions that you're gonna discuss based upon that, that week's message. What did you hear? What did the Lord say to you? What does it mean to you? What does this look like for you? So you don't just get to hear the message on Sunday, but then you get to sit together and through conversation start to activate the truths in your life. So I want to encourage you, be here on Sundays, just like I did with this one. If you miss it, get back online and listen to it because I'm not up here just talking because I have nothing else to do on Sundays. I'm hoping you'll take what you hear and you'll activate it in your life with any, any series. But I'm telling you that one right there, the one that's coming up here, it good. And it's not because I'm the one delivering it. 
It's good, it's good because it's truth. Because who the son set free is free indeed. Okay, and so you know who I'm talking about, right? All right, so going back to the series here. There's all my announcements. All right, so last week, if you missed it, by the way, that was part one of this message. Today's part two. Go back and listen to it. It's online. But we talked about Elisha, and he's asking Elijah for a double portion of his spirit. Now, you need to remember, he didn't ask for double influence. He didn't ask for double wealth. He asked for double portion of the spirit of God in his life. A double portion. See, he could see something both in the natural, because he could see what was happening, but he had this double vision to be able to see something above and beyond what was in the natural. So he had this double vision. And we talked about four places that they went to together. They went to Gilgal. All right, so let me give you a little test here. Those of you here last week, who remembers what Gilgal represents in the Bible every time we see it? What's happening there? We're seeing what? What's, it's an I word. Starts with an I. That's the second one. Gilgal is identity. Okay, so we went to Bethel. What's the next I word? Intimacy. See, this is the reason why we take notes. <laughs> All right? So the third place that they went, do you remember where that was? Jericho. What did Jericho represent? Surrender. And then the fourth place they went was where? The Jordan. What does Jordan represent? Miracles. So we kind of talked about that a little bit this morning when first it opened up, didn't we? See, when we realize who we are and we start to build this intimacy and even on Sundays when we come to church and we realize, you know, I'm gonna kind of surrender what people might think about me and I'm gonna raise my hand. I'm gonna be able to jump up and down and, and, and celebrate my Lord. It activates something within us. There's a freedom that we start to get and sometimes we don't even know what it is yet. But as you, as you start to walk it out, as you start to go into the next day or the afternoon, all of a sudden you realize, wow, I, there's, there, there's a lighter weight on my shoulders. So we talked about these four places that they went, and all of us must do as well. We have to understand who we are, whose we are, we have to surrender, and then we start seeing those miraculous signs and wonders in our life. Sometimes they're practical and the natural, other times they're very spiritual, but there's a freedom that comes with it, and we all have to take and activate those same four steps in our lives. We've got to do it. It's, it's not, a mu it's not, it's not a, an apparition, it's a must. We have to do these things. So one of the questions I asked you last week, and I'll ask you again today, when was the last time any of you asked, or even myself, this is a question for me as well, when was the last time, in fact, I can tell you, I did it this morning. When was the last time you asked God for a double portion of anything? When was the last time? And, and, and why not? It's really quiet in here. See, we, we want God to let us see in the spirit is really what we're saying. We wanna see double in the spirit what we're seeing in the natural. See, when fear appears in the natural, here's what I want. I want a double portion of peace. See, when, when we have anxiety in the natural, I, I want a double portion of rest. So you think about your natural world and you're asking for a double portion in the spirit of what's counter to that. When, when I'm dealing with confusion in the natural, what do I ask the Lord for? I ask him for a double portion of clarity. I'm not asking him for something crazy. I'm asking him for something that he provides spiritually to me. 
And I can see the ramifications, I can see the blessing from it in the natural. Really what we're saying is, oh God, simply give me the power. Give me the power that's available to us through your spirit. So today's text is gonna come out of 2 Kings 6.14. By the way, this, this is in reference to the king of Aram. Now, this area of Aram is what we, today we would know as Syria, uh, southeastern Turkey, part of Lebanon, and also part of Iraq. That's, that's the area of the world that this, this guy is king over. So 2 Kings 16, verses 14 through 18 says this. He sent horses and chariots and a great army there. This is the king of Aram. And they came by night and surrounded the city. Now when the attendant of the man of God, so obviously this is the servant of um, Elisha, So now when the attendant from the man of God uh, had risen early and gone out, behold, an army with horses and chariots was encircling the city. And his servant said to him, alas, my master, what shall we do? So he answered, do not fear for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Then Elisha prayed and said, O Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he saw and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. When they came down to him, Elisha prayed to the Lord and said, strike this people with blindness, I pray. So he struck them with blindness according to the word of Elisha. Here's the thing. Elisha had the ability to see two things at once. He could see what was naturally going on, just like you and I see the realities of our life. But he was able to overlay that and I'll talk more about that in a minute, with a spiritual set of eyes. Okay? He was able to see that something else was going on. So hence, again, the title of the sermon, God, give me double vision. God, give me double vision. There's a lot of vision in this passage. One man could see. The other one couldn't see until he was prayed for. And then we see also the Lord open the eyes of one man, but we also see him blind an entire army. So there's a lot of vision that's going on, this vision casting or vision taking away. So there's three things in this passage that I really believe speak to you and I today, if we'll allow it to. So 2 Kings 6.16 says, so he answered, do not fear for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. So here's point number one, another kingdom, another kingdom. It's kind of basic here, but just stick with me for a second. The question is, do you believe that there's actually another kingdom that's not of this world? that there's a, this kingdom of heaven that's not of this world. See, sometimes we have to ask the question because in order to be able to see what the Lord is doing, we actually have to go back to the beginning and you and I have to re-decide what we're gonna believe. Let me say it this way. We'll play on our name here. You and I have to start to reimagine what he might be doing in our life, individually, in our church and in our city. But you have to decide what you're gonna believe. You have to go back to the basics. Um, I was, I was thinking about some examples um, to, to help you understand this. Think about uh, when you're, you're kind of lost, you're out in the middle of nowhere, you really don't know where you're going. Let's say you don't have a compass. I know most cars have a compass in them anymore, but you're getting lost. What were the th first things that we were taught, even basics as, as kids in school? Well, you can simply look up at the sun. Where does the sun rise? Where does it set? Okay, has that ever changed? Okay, it's, it's, it's a basic. It's something that you and I know to be true that we can run home to each time. Either you believe something or you don't. 
And it's the same thing when we, with our relationship with the Lord because we know that the written word is his truth. You and I either believe it's truth or we don't. If you believe it's truth, then when you and I get lost spiritually, emotionally, figuratively, however you want to talk about in our relationship or confusion in the natural, we have to kind of run home to what we know is true. What does God say? Matter of fact, Jesus said to the woman at the well, those people who worship me don't worship in Jerusalem or worship in this mountain. The time is coming, they're gonna worship me in spirit and in truth. In other words, they're gonna worship me spiritually because I'm gonna speak to them spiritually and they're gonna worship me on the truth of my word to them. So we always have to go back to the basics. It's, it's like, what I, was gonna t- what I wanted to share with you is it's like having a compass. Who knows what a compass does? It gives you directions, doesn't it? It gives you directions to this place. The arrow always points to the magnetic North Pole. Did you know that it's not accurate? The magnetic North Pole is not the same as true North. See, the magnetic North Pole is where your compass points you to but it's not stable, it actually moves a little bit. I mean, if you're following, you're, you're not gonna wind up way off, you know, 300 miles out of the way. But it, 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 kinda, it kinda moves ever so little, just so slightly. But the true north, what they call the true north pole, is the actual physical axis that the earth actually spins on. It never changes, it never changes. And they're very, very close to each other. You and I need to get in the habit of looking for a true north because you and I might be following a magnetic pole. Let me put it this way. Sometimes you and I are kind of following the direction of the culture. We're kind of following the direction of what we believe in the natural because of base that we can see this seems true. And it might even be good, but it's not God. There's a big difference between good and God. Huge difference. And you and I have got to get to the point where we know what we know to be true. We know this in our knower. We know his word is true. That is always base place for us. It's always a starting point. And we know that his word reveals his kingdom to us, his truth to us. And that's how we start to hear from and start to be a spirit-led people. So when they have this conversation but before Elisha actually prays for his eyes to be open, Elisha tells him not to fear. Why do you tell him not to fear? Because the opposite of fear is what? Faith. See, faith is what activates this. Yeah, and, and faith is faith in what is unseen. So we have to start looking at at the Lord, at the kingdom of God, which is this unseen kingdom, apparently, but you and I can start to see the effects of that kingdom in this world. That's what the double vision is all about. Really what he's saying to this guy is he said, hey, can you see the other kingdom now? Our modern day vision of this is, hey, can can you see me now? Or can you hear me now as the commercial says? Can you see me now? It's kind of what's happening down there in Kentucky. I told you if you'll do these things, now you've done them. Can you see me now? But the spiritual realm is always activated. And I'm really getting ahead of myself here because this isn't point number three. Our spiritual realm is always activated in the natural. That's, that's the give and take. That's, that's the part that's 
kind of catches you off guard. Uh, off guard. So God wants the eyes of our heart. He wants the eyes of our heart to be opened. The enemy, by the way, where did I tell you before his ba- the battle is? It's in your mind. See, the Lord wants your heart. The enemy wants your mind. The Lord wants the truth of who you are and your identity. The enemy wants to get your thinking under control. Because if he can get you to think differently, he hasn't got to get you to be a bad person. He just has to get you, listen, he has to get you on the magnetic pole of what the world is saying and not on the truth, truth of what God is saying. That's all he's got to do. But it's two different places. Two different places. So 2 Kings chapter 6. He sent horses and chariots and a great army there, and they came by night and surrounded the city. So again, the enemy sends things in the natural. I hope you're hearing this. I hope you're getting ahead of me on this. The enemy is going to send things to you in the natural. What you see, feel, hear, touch, smell, all of those senses. they, They are a reality. And he wants you to think that's the magnetic, or what would you and I would now know is the magnetic North Pole. But you and I have to remember, it's not the truth. Even though I'm seeing it, it's real, but it's not the truth. The, the, I, please tell me you hear what I'm saying. There's a, there's a huge difference. Now, when the attendant of the man of God had risen early and gone out, behold, an army with horses and chariots was encircling the city. And his servant said to him, alas, my master, what shall we do? Again, the enemy will always send things to surround you in the natural. He's going to do things like tell you, you can't give because you don't have. Because the math doesn't add up. He always wants us to respond in the natural. He wants you and I to sit there and say, well, alas, master, what what, what are we gonna do? Jesus, let me give you some examples of Jesus. Remember, when Jesus goes into the wilderness, he had just come out of his Gilgal of identity and his Bethel of intimacy with a father saying, this is my son identity and who I am well pleased. So that's the intimacy. He immediately goes to his Jericho. This is a place of surrender. How does he do this? He overcomes, he surrenders to the will of the Father by doing what? Referring back to what the Father had already said in his word. He made it very simple. It's not rocket science. But he he knew the word. He knew what the true north was. But he, had the, he, he still had his Jericho. And, and the enemy, again, comes after him again in the natural. What does he do? He says, turn this stone into bread. He was clearly hungry. Is that natural? Some of you are sitting here saying, yes, if you wrap this up, I'm going to get something to eat. Yeah. So he, he, he was hungry. So if you throw yourself down, if you'll bow down, what does he do? He attacks him every time at a place of identity. Well, why do you and I think that the enemy is going to do anything different than you and I? He does the same thing. He doesn't have any new tricks up his sleeve. But here's the thing. Jesus had double vision. He was very aware, well, well aware of what was going on in the natural, but he saw what was happening spiritually. Let me show you a place where Jesus has double vision. Remember, he has this conversation with Peter. And he turns around. And he says, get behind me, Satan. All right. He was talking to Satan that was in a man, but he's not calling Peter Satan. What he's really saying is, hey, I see something supernatural going on here, and you're thinking naturally. And what you're thinking is, is natural. It's reality is if you do these things, yes, we can fight this physically, but this is a spiritual war. 
I'm doing something spiritually. I think what he was really telling Satan, he's, he's communicated that to Paul, to Peter, but I think what he really is telling Satan is, hey, just get behind me, dude, because I'm about to take your head off with what I'm gonna do. Your days are numbered. I think at that point, Satan actually had an idea what was going on and he was gonna try to get Peter to respond in the natural to keep that supernatural thing from happening because he realized, oh no, oh no. So first thing I have to ask you and that you must decide, do you believe there's another kingdom? You either do or you don't. Second Kings 6.16 says, so he answered, do not fear for those who are with us are more than, say that with me, more than more than those who are with them. That word fear in the Greek is a word called, it's pronounced yare, and actually means to stand in awe, uh, to stand in honor or to respect. You and I don't stand in awe. We don't stand in respect of our natural vision. That's not what we're called to do. But those words more than means greater than, more than. It actually means exceedingly greater, not just, oh, you know, the world's here and the, the Lord's right there. No, it's, he's exceeding. This, this, the spiritual kingdom is exceedingly greater. And this is what he's telling him. And what, the question for you and I is, if, if we believe there's another kingdom, then which, which kingdom you and I believe is greater? And, and, and if it's greater, then you have to decide if you're gonna live in it or not. So point number two, a greater kingdom. See, it's one thing to believe there's another kingdom and it's a whole other thing to believe whether or not it's greater. You and I have to get to that place, that place in our life where every day, no matter what our circumstances are, you know that the word of God says this, my experience with the Lord is also revealed this, so therefore I'm going to live this way and not what I see in the natural. We have to activate this in our lives. That's why I said a couple weeks ago, whether it's this church, another church, you can't just come in, sit in the pews each week, hear a great sermon, even say to the pastor on the way out, wow, that's a great sermon, you're the best ever pastor, and then walk out the door and do not activate the truths you heard. You either believe it, which causes you to act out on it, or you don't. It's, it's very simple. You have to decide which kingdom is greater influence in your life. Here's what James 2.19 says. You believe that there's one God? Good. Even the demons believe that and they shudder. You and I don't use that word shudder a whole lot. Well, maybe in the Northeast we do on a cold day. We go outside and we <laughs> shudder. All right, uh, listen to me. The, the demons aren't going, ooh, that's cold. The demons, when they realize, when they remember who God is and the truth of it, you know what they say? Holy crap. That's church talk, modern day. They're upset about it. They realize we're in trouble. And what James is telling us here is, I don't care what you just believe cognitively. I wanna know what's coming out of here. Where are you in your reality? That's what he's saying, because even the demons know that. Knowing that doesn't do it for you. One of the kingdoms is greater than the other. Which one are you gonna place first in your life? So Elijah's gone up. He's actually caught up in this chariot of fire. Can you imagine that? Remember, we, fire represents, we see that in the Old Testament, represents the person of the Holy Spirit. He, th this dude got a ticket to ride. I would love to have that experience. A chariot of fire. That, I, 
my mouth probably just been hanging open. I'd just love to see it. But before Elisha picks up Elijah's mantle, remember we talked about last week what the mantle represents? Anointing and power, right? Before he picks up the mantle, your Bible says he tore his clothes, his clothes in two. Yes, that is a sign of respect and mourning when they would do that. But here's the other thing he did. He also tore up what was the natural so that he could put on what was the supernatural. You and I have got to learn to do the same thing. Are we going to sacrifice what nature tells us and understanding that while that might be a truth and there's a reality here, I'm going to give, no matter what it costs, sacrificially so I could put on what my true north is and walk in all of this. But you can't put on the supernatural if you're going to constantly wear the spiritual clothing of the natural. So Elisha had double vision. Here's the moment he received his double vision. 1 Kings 19. Elisha left the oxen standing there, ran after Elijah and said to him, first let me go and kiss my father and mother goodbye. Then I'll go with you. Elijah replied, go on back, but think about what I have done to you. Now, I understand you, you have some natural things you have to take care of. I get it. Reality exists. But while you're doing that, think about what I've just done. So Elisha returned to his oxen, because he'd obviously done some thinking, and slaughtered them. He used the wood from the plow to build a fire to roast their flesh. He passed around the meat to the townspeople, and they all ate. They went with Elijah as, then went with Elijah as his assistant. Here's what it's saying. He kissed the world goodbye. He basically said, mm-hmm, all the stuff from the past, good riddance. I'm not, I'm not gonna, there's no way in this life I'm gonna return back to that because I've got something better over here. He tore up the natural so he could pick up the supernatural. You know, Cortez, you may have heard the story when Cortez came to the new world. His, a lot of the, the guys that were with him were, were ready to go home. They'd been gone for a long time, for months, I think closer to a year, and they're done. Their supplies are running out. You know what he did? He burned the ships. So they couldn't go back. Then they became well motivated to make certain that this works. See, when you're hanging on to something, when you grab a hold of the kingdom of God, you try to do this, but I'm going to hang on to this just in case this isn't real, you're never going to fully grasp everything that the Lord has for you in the reality of the kingdom. You and I have got to say we're either all in or we're out, but you're never going to activate everything the spirit has for you. It's the same principle as when we come in here on Sundays. If you're coming in, just going through the routine of this is what I'm supposed to do, whether I'm worshiping like this or worshiping like this or like this, if that's what you're going to do, you're never going to experience the reality of what God might be wanting to do in you, for you, and through you on that day. You're all in, or really you're all out. He was kingdom-minded first. He believed the kingdom of heaven was greater than the kingdom of this world. See, he laid it all out there. So 
What, what does it look like to have double vision? Well, I can tell you this, it doesn't mean you go around, you know, levitating. You know, you don't levitate off the ground when you have double vision. By the way, it doesn't mean you go around healing people. I would encourage you to try to do that, but that's not what it means. It doesn't mean that you go around prophesying to people. That's not what that means. Even though I would encourage you to seek all of the gifts, you're supposed to do that. But double vision simply means you're gonna be kingdom-minded first. That's, that's first. That's the difference between seeking the person of the Holy Spirit versus seeking his gifts. I seek relationship. I keep using this example. I seek, see, I seek the relationship with my wife and intimacy with her even if she never brings me any more presents. He's the one we've got to fall in love with. And I heard somebody say yesterday, one of the things that Jack Hayford used to say, and this is really great. Hey, listen, when you receive the Holy Spirit, yes, he has gifts. Matter of fact, he comes with a whole bag full of gifts and presents. He comes bearing them all the time. But we seek him. Not what he's packing with him. I see both kingdoms. And God's kingdom is greater. Therefore, God's kingdom comes first. Jesus was incredibly good at this. And by the way, he's not only good at this, he was very passionate about it. John 18, 36, Jesus answered, my kingdom is not an earthly kingdom. If it were, my followers would fight to keep me. In other words, they would start acting in, in reality. Peter tried it. Remember, he, he takes off one guy's ear. By the way, he wasn't aiming for his ear. He was aiming for this dude's head. He was just a bad, a bad swing. If it were, my followers would fight to keep me from being handed over to the Jewish leaders, but my kingdom is not of this world. First John 2.15 says, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. By the way, he's not saying don't, be, don't, don't have compassion and don't care about the world. What he's saying here is the same thing that happened with Lot's wife. See, he had a plan for them, a rescue plan and everything, but what she doing, when she, when she looking back, what she was saying is, gosh, I missed that. She wasn't willing to let go of the natural world that she'd become accustomed to in order to run into the safety of what the Father had and the provision for her. And it's the same thing for you and I. We can get so accustomed to the world because it's the natural for us. We, we, we spend time looking over our shoulder and the Lord's sitting here saying, hey, you're over there, I, I'm over here. This way. I do this because our dog, Eli, when I want him to come, we do this. So sometimes I'll, I'll just do, I won't say a word. I just want to see him respond. And he'll kind of like Eeyore get up like, you know, just walk over to him. And he walks, his, he walks like Eeyore too, especially when he knows he's going to put in the crate. And that's usually when I do it. So I'll go treat and he ah, and runs in there. So, right? Hey, you know, I, you know the Lord treats us once in a while? No, I won't go there. Okay. Um, John the Baptist actually starts to question the kingdom as well. And he asked, he asked his question, he said, are you the Messiah we've been expecting? And she, or should I keep looking for somebody else? And I don't know why, um, if you would put that next verse up in Luke, I, it will not stick in my notes, I don't know why. I tell you, among those born of women, there was no, this is Jesus talking about John the Baptist. I tell you, among those born of women, there was no one greater than John, yet the one who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. See, John didn't have really any followers as you would, let's put it this way, he didn't have as many people on Facebook as you and I might have. He had some people who were coming out to see what the strange dude was doing, but he didn't have those kind of followers. He didn't have a lot of wealth. 
He didn't leave a big earthly legacy as we would, we would measure it. He wasn't a, a famous you know, television pastor or preacher or famous evangelist that went around for decades having revivals. He didn't have any of that. But Jesus says, he said the king, uh, basically what he's saying is that the kingdom of this world is, is nothing. Nothing. But the kingdom of heaven called him the greatest. See, he was the greatest in the natural world because he was drawing attention to Jesus. So he's the greatest, except that those who are in the kingdom, those who are living by the spirit, the least of those are greater than that because they're living spiritually. They're living spiritually. So what does it mean to be kingdom-minded first? Well, it simply means how do I live not in this world, but in the world of in the world of heaven, in the kingdom of heaven. Having double vision, by the way, is, av- is available to both of us, all of us. And that simply means you're seeing in the natural and the supernatural. So I'll give you an example here. Um, if you got those pictures, go ahead and put those up. Um, same picture, but there's an overlay on the right-hand side. See, there's a reality in the picture of the, uh, 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 on the left of this guy in the skateboard. And, and it looks good, it's a pretty clear picture. But they overlaid it with something else that you couldn't see in the first. And it's the same thing with us spiritually. We have a natural world that we live in, which is real. We can't deny the things we're dealing with. But when you and I are given double vision, the Lord actually overlays that with the, the spirit of God. With, with kingdom living, with your spiritual mindset. And we, when we do that, we begin to see things like the birds that we couldn't see before. Is there another picture up there? Or was that the only one? Same thing, same place, different perspective. So I'm, I'm not encouraging any of, you, any of you to deny what's going on in your life. Sickness, financial stress, Divorce, separation. I'm trying to tell you there's a different perspective if you're willing to look at it through his eyes. And one of the things I was, you can take those down now. One of the things I was going to do is I was gonna bring in here a set of um, 3D glasses. How many of you have ever gone to a movie and watch a 3D movie? See, when movies came out, especially during the you know, 1930s and 40s, we saw movies, you could watch them, you knew what's going on, everything was in 2D. In other words, you could see the width, you could see the height, but you couldn't see the depth. Well, in the 1950s, they realized, hey, we can create these glasses, put these glasses on, and now you see width, you see height, and you see depth. And so if you want to have a spiritual vision, we need to learn to put our spiritual glasses on so we can see the depth of the reality of everything that's there, and we better know how to approach it. Uh, You take your driving test. I don't know if they still do this now, but back in the dark ages when I got mine, you had to take a depth perception test. Two little cars on a string and move them back and forth inside a box and you had to get them to where their nose was at the same place just looking for depth perception. Driver's ed, I'm assuming they probably still do that. And all I'm asking you is, when you look at your life and the things that you're dealing with, do you have any depth perception? Are you looking through the perspective of the supernatural? Seeing the difficulty of what's in front of you and overlaying it with another scene over it. That's what living in the kingdom is like. It's very, very simple. 
I see this earthly kingdom and I overlay it with God's kingdom. I see a, a divided and fallen world and I overlay it with God's redemptive story over it. I, I see a lack in the kingdom, in the natural, but I overlay it with Jehovah Jireh, God being my provider over it. I see a discouragement in my soul and what do I do? I overlay it with the joy of the Lord but I have to choose to do these things. Having supernatural is not just for pastors. It's not just for leaders. It's not just for the church as a whole. I'm trying to tell you, it's for every one of you as well. If you'll learn to see with double vision. And again, here's the irony. Many times the activation of the supernatural is done in the natural. That's what I was talking about this morning. You wanna see revival? then you need to start doing something in the natural. You have to start changing your perspective, mainly of who you are. Many, many times, and by the way, the steps are much more practical than you think they are. Activating the supernatural in God's kingdom requires moving past our feelings and our emotions on this earthly kingdom. We don't deny our emotions. They're neither good nor bad. They just are, but we shouldn't be allowing them to control our decision processes. We have to overlay them with the transparency of the Spirit of God. Give you some examples. John the Baptist, here's a kingdom of heaven at work. How was it done here on earth? By his obedience. That's all he did. He walked in obedience. Gideon, he activated the supernatural warrior strength of God by moving past his fears and his weakness and actually walking out of the wine press in the natural. Very, very simple. Peter, he activated supernatural walking on water. How? By stepping out of the boat. It's not too hard to figure out how to do that. But he had to activate this. Elisha, again, activating God's call in his life. How did he do it? He burned his plows. He kissed that kingdom of earthly vision goodbye. You and I, we can activate blessing in the supernatural by tithing in the natural. We can activate peace in the supernatural by actually spending time in prayer in the natural. This is the reason why we do these things. We can activate faith in the supernatural by actually reading God's word in the natural. See how simple this is? Every one of us are capable of doing this. We activate forgiveness of sin in the supernatural by confessing sin in the natural. You wanna get freedom from the things you've struggled with, with other people because of what they've done in your life, start confessing the sin in your life. Start to get a reality check that, hey, you know what? I don't always walk on water myself. When you start to realize who you are and that you need forgiveness too, it starts to take the attention off of somebody else's because you know I can't live my life for them, but I can activate God's goodness in my life when I realize I need to come clean. And when you realize what the Lord has done in your life to set you free, you're gonna find it a little bit easier to start realizing maybe there's some things about them that I don't know that I need to let them go from. Any encounter in the supernatural is always preceded by obedience in the natural. That's all, again, think about it that way, very simple. 
In God's kingdom, actions speak louder than words. Exodus 14, Exodus 14, Moses said, the Lord will fight for you. You need only stand still. Then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on, move. You have to take the first step. So here's the third point. And this is a shorter one, 2 Kings Chapter six, then Elisha prayed and said, O Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. When they came down to him, Elisha prayed to the Lord and said, strike this people with blindness, I pray. So he struck them with blindness according to the word of Elisha. Here's point number three, a revealed kingdom. A revealed kingdom. Most of us are really good at seeing in the natural. Why? Because it's natural. Go figure, right? It's just natural. We're pretty good at seeing what's right in front of us in reality, aren't we? The servants saw in the natural, but apparently what the Lord revealed was, hey, you might be seeing the natural, but they've been here this whole time. And you, you and I have some things that we're probably dealing with right now, and I'm trying to tell you, the Lord is probably trying to tell you, I've got something right now that you can't see, but I'm willing to open your eyes if you'll open your heart. The creator of the universe actually looks down to us and says, hey, I want to show you something. I want to show you something. There's this revelation. Talking about revelation, you've heard me say that before. I can speak truth, but there's that revealed truth that you have to get, you have to catch in your knower. There's some things that are taught, other things that are caught. But on Mount Nebo, God gives Moses supernatural vision. And with Jacob... Jacob says, surely God's presence was in this place and I didn't know it. That happened at Bethel. There's an intimacy thing here. So there's a revelation that he gets. Abraham, God says, hey, Abraham, step out of your tent. There's something I want to show you because the stars are as your descendants. Acts, the book of Acts, we see these scales fall off of Saul's eyes. And as soon as they do, Saul becomes Paul. Something changed in the natural that led to something in the spiritual. And if you'll ask the Holy Spirit, he's gonna begin to overlay the natural with the supernatural in your lives as well. But you have to remember there's two characters in this story and there's elements of each one of them and both of them in each one of us. If you're an Elisha, to the, let me say it this way, to the Elishas in all of us, Whose eyes has God called you to pray would be opened? Who around you needs mentorship? And, well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pull a trick on you here. How many of you would consider yourselves somewhat of a, a mature believer? Because you've been walking with the Lord for a while. Okay, there's a few of you. Okay. Let me ask you something. <laughs> Why aren't you leading a small group? Why aren't you turning and pouring yourself into somebody else who's around you? Told you it's going to trick you. To the servant in all of us. Because we all have areas. We all have areas where we can only see in the natural. But I would encourage you to say, hey, God, can you give me double vision so that my eyes can actually see? 
Because when you get that supernatural vision, you're gonna start to see yourself in your identity and your intimacy. And when you start to activate that supernatural vision in your life, you're gonna start seeing your circumstances or your perspectives much differently. You're gonna say things like, hey, I can look at my broken marriage in the natural and start to follow God in the supernatural and get some answers. You can look at a very hateful person in the natural and start to realize, hey, I can start seeing seeing that certain person, that hurting person in the supernatural. And when you do, you're gonna find it's a little bit easier to start saying, God, give me double vision. Let me just end with this thought here. And I'm, I'm gonna ask you to say this with me, but don't say it if you don't mean it. You ready? God, give me double vision. Say it again. God, give me double vision. How many people do you need to see God's perspective in the situations in your life that you need to start seeing that for? And pray for them. Why don't you go and stand up with me? We've been talking about this this earthly kingdom and then this spiritual kingdom, this godly kingdom. And we, we try to do this every week because we don't ever know everybody that comes in here. If you've never asked Jesus, matter of fact, I'm gonna ask the, the people who are gonna be praying to go ahead and come up front. If you've never asked Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you've never decided to surrender your life to him so that you can start to see your life through a supernatural perspective, and start to walk in that, today's your day. This is an opportunity for you. I'm gonna encourage you to come up front and let somebody pray with you. Let somebody agree with you. And we're gonna give you a couple things also to help you get started on this amazing journey that you'll go out on. It's nothing weird. We're not gonna embarrass you. We're not gonna have you turn around and introduce yourself and, you know, and tell us your bank account and all that stuff. We're not gonna do that. We're just gonna welcome you into the kingdom of God. If you need prayer for anything else, feel free to come up here for that, no matter what it is. But I've got to go back to the first point. You have to believe that there's another kingdom before you'll ever start to walk in it. And you'll ever start to have a greater experience in your life. So the question is, do you believe there's a second kingdom? Father, I just, I just pray for everybody here right now. Lord, you know where each person is. Or do you know what they've heard in their lives? And some things, Father, that unfortunately I know have probably caused people to question you and your goodness. They've started to question the church or even Christianity because of experience they've had with other professing Christians who are broken people and still trying to figure this out on their own. The Holy Spirit, I ask you just to fall on them right now. Reveal yourself to them and call to their heart that they may respond to you and to start to walk in a second kingdom and find out that there's a lot more going on that's a lot better than what they've got going on now. Lord, for those of us who've been walking with you for whether it's a couple of weeks, a couple of years, or a couple of decades, Father, for those of us who are in those, those categories, but we haven't fully released ourselves, we believe your kingdom is there, we believe you there, but we've never said that kingdom is greater and that kingdom is a true north that I can put all of my trust in 
and start to walk it out in the natural. Father, I, I ask you right now to follow in each one of them. Cause them to say, yes, Lord, from this day forward, I will relent and I will change my thinking so I can start walking and do this. Father, I ask you to release that in everybody's life right now. And everybody said, amen. Thank you so much for joining us. We would like to ask you a simple question. What has God spoken to you today? And how would he have you respond? We would sure love to hear from you. You can reach out to us with your prayer requests, your comments, or your questions at reimaginepeople.com and by clicking the Connect tab. We would also like to invite you to join us again next week for another encouraging and inspirational message from Reimagine Church. 